You're listening to the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Christine, certified life coach, pain to power mentor, and creator of Embody You Mindset Mastery School. I'm here today to discuss living life after disease, disaster, or adversity, to discuss living life fully once again, a life of hope, peace, and resiliency, a life fully embodied. I utilize the lessons that I learned going through not one, but two primary cancers. I'm here today to guide you to the life of your dreams, turn your pain into power, and lead you back to yourself. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. Today, I want to discuss relationships and cancer and how they relate together, what can go wrong, and how to fix it. So I will begin with my story, which is that my husband and I, we are still moving through the process of healing after cancer. And so there is a little bit of processing that happens throughout our relationship, through our marriage. Periodically, sometimes we do really, really well and other times we don't. And so when I am creating this podcast today, it is not coming from a place of I'm perfect and that we are perfect. It is instead coming from a place of where have I had to venture forth so far? What have I found has helped? And what what do I think will help in the future? And so my story is that when I was diagnosed at a very young age, my husband and I, we were, we were looking at having babies and moving forward in our lives in a way that made sense to us. And so we were excited. And then this all happened. And it was such a late stage. And we didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know if we were going to be okay. It hit us so hard. We had to do fertility preservation and then we and then we had to try to move forward. And it was just, it was so much, so fast. And what was fascinating is that throughout the cancer journey, we have sustained a closeness that was really quite spectacular. Where I believe that he felt needed and I I was able to be taken care of. And those two things really facilitated a strong connection between uh, myself and my husband. And we became quite close. Now, he wasn't always perfect and I wasn't always perfect. There was definitely some times when I was frustrated that he didn't quite know how to cope or he didn't know how to um, take care of me the way that I would have taken care of him. And so there was ups and downs, but generally speaking, I would say the overall is that we did very well and, and cancer made us stronger. What was fascinating, however, was that on the other side, 
when it finished and the the dust began to settle, that's when our kind of fight and flight and and all that settled down, we started to notice that there was some trauma here and that there was some some problems between us that we hadn't dealt with. And so it's been quite the journey um, to go through the ups and downs in survivorship. And so I'm not sure what your story is, the listener, if it was during that you felt like it really broke down after like you felt like it really broke down, or maybe you're doing really well. And, and if that's the case, I'm really, I'm so excited for you. But the statistics that I've been able to find are that women who have cancer, and that's specifically women um, who have cancer are six times more likely to divorce after cancer has been completed or during. Um, and so that's, I guess, I guess a, a percentage of 15% is what I've been able to find. Now, that's not to scare you. Um, I don't believe that that is a huge number. I think that it's possible. We just have to have the right interventions in order to create longevity. And I really, I really believe that although there are times when we don't do very well, we certainly overall are duking through it and we're getting better all the time. And I do not believe that we'll be part of the 15%. And I, I hope that this episode can help you to see that you don't need to be either. And so, I mean, you know, barring things like abuse and, and those sorts of things, I really do think that any marriage is savable. Um, I do think that, that you can go through these, these tools that I'm going to give you and you can have great success. Um, but what I, what I found really interesting is that specifically women being diagnosed causes a higher chance of divorce than the opposite by a lot. Um, I, I don't remember what the, the opposing was, but I know that, that the determining factor for the six times was, was, and it might've been one times. I think it was the men were one times more likely if they were diagnosed, the women were six times more likely. And I think that it's just the nature of the fact that we as women are really good caregivers. We, um, are, are, kind and patient and we take the time and and we get mental health help and all of these sorts of things and and you know men although and I shouldn't have said the word kind men are kind um but they're not necessarily taught how to deal with their emotions and so you know you kind of come through the other side and I think that that's where a lot of breakdown comes in is that that the woman is very good at taking care of herself in that way um but the man, not so much. And it's, you know, it's not really fair that the, our society is set up that way. Um, but nevertheless, it's where it is. And so we have to be the exception and, and not the rule. You know, the men in our lives do need to get the help that they need and, and, and whatever form that takes for them and uh, begin to heal. But we, as the woman, we have a fair amount of control over the way that our marriage can can heal. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. But let's start first with what kind of breaks down as a result of going through cancer. 
So some of the main changes that really happen is there is a huge change in roles and responsibilities. So this kind of blue job, pink job sort of thing. And, you know, to clarify, I'm saying man and I'm saying blue job and all these sorts of things, but that's because I am, I'm a, a heterosexual woman. And so if you are, um, if you, if you are married to a woman and that is, and you've gone through cancer, I just can't lend hand to what that's like because I don't know. Um, but I also just want you to know that listening to this, that if, if you are married to a woman that you are inclusive here, it's just that I don't, I, I just, I'm not able to explain it from that perspective because I don't know it. So continuing on, I digress. So there's, there's a change in roles and responsibility. There's kind of like a, the man does this and the woman does this sort of role and responsibility. And that can, that, that takes a huge swing. And for myself anyway, this created a fair amount of bitterness and resentment because it wasn't really in Brad's nature, um, Brad, my husband, it wasn't really in his nature to take on these, these, um, these roles of the caregiver, the cooker, the cleaner. And so it wasn't an easy process for him to take on because it just wasn't very natural. And so then I, I, I created a fair amount of bitterness because, you know, really, I was, I was going through all this on top of the fact that um, I did a fair amount of cooking, cleaning, and um, and creating and doing these things in the household because it just wasn't natural for him. And so that, be, that huge change in responsibilities and roles, it doesn't always mean that he will take that on because he may not. And that could create some bitterness um, like, it, like it was in my story. However, other times the man will take the, on those responsibilities and roles, but it might not be natural for them. And then therefore it might create some bitterness and resentment in the other way. So there is a change there. Additionally, there is different physical and emotional needs that both of you then have. You know, you're both exhausted and tired and scared. And there's all these existential questions and if you're not having clear communication in that time, it can certainly begin to falter and break down. Uh, a big one is the loss of intimacy. And this is perhaps maybe the biggest one. And so the number that I gave you, the 15% more likely, comes from breast and ovarian cancers. And the reason why I chose that percentage is because as with all cancers, yes, but especially these ones, um, especially when they're hormone related, there is a huge amount of medications that are kind of meant to hit your hormones as hard as they can. And without hormones, there is a lack of intimacy uh, interest. There is a, there's a lack of ability to have intimacy because of dryness and pain and atrophy. All of these different issues that come along with reducing hormones a loss of libido and interest, all of these things can create a huge distance between you and your partner because it's just a hard thing to do. You know, it's, it's intimacy is really what makes us partners and not friends. And when you are in a romantic relationship and there is very little romance, 
it causes a huge divide. I know that for myself and, and my partner, it's, done, it's certainly done that. There's certainly been times where we, there's a huge breakdown in our intimacy and therefore our connection to one another. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the ways that um, we've begun to heal those way, heal those things and that I believe that you can implement in your life as well. Um, there's often a communication breakdown, meaning, you know, you, you change so much in this process of going through cancer that the way that you speak with your partner may have changed quite a bit. Um, and so the way that you show up, the way that you are might've changed. And if you don't keep your partner in the loop, they can feel kind of left in the dust. And I know that that was certainly, again, something that hit us pretty good. And often, you know, Brad is, is not a, he doesn't really like talking about his emotions, which I mean, we all know is, is an unhealthy way of coping with things, but for better, for worse, um, he was not taught that that was okay. And so, you know, there's a communication breakdown there in the sense that, you know, we weren't able to talk much about our emotions. You know, he tried, he tried as much as he could, and he certainly did very well for, for his background and his upbringing. Um, but, uh, you know, we weren't able to have those communications where when you're facing the Grim Reaper, those communications are important. Um, they're scary. And so, you need to be able to have them, but uh, without them, it can begin to create breakdown. Now, of course, most importantly, stress. Stress is hard on any couple. You know, there's financial stress that comes along with going through cancer, even in Canada, the loss of your job or things that you need to now pay for. Maybe uh, like us, my husband had to come home. He had to work a lesser paying job and be at home and take on the financial burden entirely himself. And that was not easy. And it continues to be difficult at times, is this, this financial stress. And there is the physical stress of the medications that you're on, the loss of sleep, the effect that you're tired, worn down, that your body isn't strong anymore like it used to be. There's so many uh, physical stresses as well. There is, of course, the mental and emotional stress of, will I die? That is a scary one. And then it changes when you're finished to, will this come back? And, you know, chronic stress is, will impede on the body. It will impede on a relationship. It will impede on everything. It will affect every portion of life. So to believe that we can be in stress and that our marriage should withstand that is, well, it, it's kind of ludicrous. We'll need to manage our stresses, and we'll talk more about that in order to have a fair amount of healing in that way. Now, of course, um, with going with the intimacy and sex, there is the uh, menopausal um, and steroid mood swings that you might have endured while you were going through chemotherapy or moving into chemical force menopause. There's mood swings that you, the woman, goes through if you have gone through these medications where anger and resentment is really, um, really present because of consistent and chronic and unending um, hot flashes and all of these, all of these 
lovely things that come with menopause, but not only just regular menopause, but instead chemical, chemically induced menopause, which is so much faster and so much more intense and so much less estrogen than a typical menopause. So your body's in this state of fight and flight. It just can't do it. And so everything atrophies. And that is, that is your mental, emotional state. That is your body as well. And so that can be a huge, huge contributing factor to the breakdown of marriage. Fertility issues can certainly come where there are so many fertility um, issues with young women, maybe not so much with, with older women that are diagnosed, but we wanted to have babies. We were so excited about it. And then that just got taken away. And it was terrifying and it was awful and it was scary and it wasn't fair. And so we had to pay for, for fertility. And, you know, with the chronic stress that I was under at the time, we only had a few embryos come through. So there's, so there's a fair amount of stress around whether or not those embryos will take. Um, and then, of course, a lot of fear around whether or not it's intelligent for us to go ahead with having babies because I need to go off my medications, the ones that are staving off recurrence. And so then there's the question of like, is this safe? Is our, do we feel safe to take this risk? And luckily there's a lot of really good studies now to, to say that, um, that it is fairly safe. Um, and my oncologist was so excited to tell me about those studies and it really soothed both myself and Brad's minds when we heard that, heard that great news. Uh, next is just the fear of recurrence and every, and that just puts more stress on both you and your partner. I know that my, my husband often thinks about, uh, the fear that it will come back. And when we had our scare on, on potentially that this was, had returned, uh, it, it launched us into a, a very unhappy state of, we just can't do this again. And um, particularly on my husband's side, um, he just he just couldn't take the trauma again. Um, and the, even just the simplicity of the idea of it returning really made him go inward. And um, there was a, a huge loss of communication there, which caused a fair amount of bitterness and resentment and anger on both sides. And so I really think that with all of these things that I've named here that can cause so much relationship breakdown, it is a wonder that relationships, that this percentage is this low. But I think that speaks to the resiliency of love and the ability for us to, to harness love in order to get through some of the more difficult problems of our lives. There, the, going through cancer, especially myself in my story anyway, a hormone positive cancer, it has been so hard on myself and my husband and our ability to stay together and persevere. I truly am in awe of and every single time that the relationship falters, I'm never really shocked because this isn't this isn't an easy, easy territory to be in but yet we persevere anyway and that is just so beautiful the ability uh, that humans have to create resilience and love 
through any situation. And truly, as you listen to me here today, I hope that if your relationship is faltering, that you can see that that you that that this is normal, that this is one of those things that it it happens to the best of us, all of us, and that you will get through it and that you can get through it. And hopefully by implementing some of these tools that I will speak about now, then we can do it quickly and collapse that timeline. So some tools to help fix it. Uh, number one, the first thing that I have that I did and have done is I I launched into trying to fix our intimacy and sex life in regards to sexual health and sexual support. I engaged in pelvic floor therapy. I had specialized gynecologists and still do. I took uh, multiple different medications that were recommended and. Um, deemed as safe, although not without risk, but deemed as safe in order to help with atrophy and dryness and pain. Um, I had to learn how to regain interest. And trauma is one of those things that really robs you of interest. And just this, the simplicity of excitement and being in the mood, as you say, can really be taken away from you through just this process of life's just a little scarier now and it's and you're a little more somber and introspective so this spontaneity and excitement um, that you once had that you know my husband and i were only a year into our marriage when i was diagnosed so truly it has taken taken me time and effort um but we're getting better all the time and i'm really proud of that fact I did um, also connect with a counselor, which I mean is is helpful in all ways, especially in regards to sexual health and sex and and support. Um, but also just through stress and trauma and processing, those those things were really important. Some other ones are making yourself well, um, which is really connected to counseling, isn't it? The more well that you can begin to make yourself, the quicker you will begin to heal your marriage in all ways, in all aspects. If you are feeling confident and happy, if you are taking care of your body, eating well, exercising, you're going to feel more vibrant and therefore more interested in your, your intimacy, more interested in date nights and having fun more interested in the connection that you have with one another, laughing. When you are feeling healthy and well, it can make a really huge difference. And that takes time. Um, you know, the age all time heals is, is applicable here. It really is. Time is one of those things that as, as our body heals and our mind heals, we can heal our marriage. Um, but one thing that, you know, I really did do wrong is I wanted so badly to have, have Brad, um, begin to heal his mental state. And although I don't think I was unfounded in that, I do think that it would have made a really huge difference in regards to our marriage. I pushed too hard. I wanted so badly for um, him to go and get counseling and help and and all these sorts of things and and he's and 
given his background, he decided not to. And I resented him for that. And I created so much bitter bitterness around, you know, like I went, I was the one who went through cancer. My body was the one that broke down. And now, and then I got all this help and, and now you won't even get a counselor. You know, you won't even work on anything. That was really hard. That was, that was really difficult. But turning to that bitterness only made it worse. You know, um, constantly badgering him and, and, and bugging him into, you know, well, you should want to make yourself well. You should want to make yourself well. Um, it, it didn't help. It made things worse. And like I said, I wish you would have, but I mean, nevertheless, here we are. And really the only person you can, tr can control and very much, um, I had to learn this the hard way. The only person you can control is yourself. And if you can make yourself well, both mentally and physically, you will begin to heal your marriage naturally. Pushing and, and begging and being angry and bitter is, it's, it's truly just going to make it worse. And so if you have a, a if you have a partner who is, who's unmoving in this mental health place, save yourself, save yourself the marriage breakdown and shift your, shift your mindset towards yourself. Put that time in because again, the sooner you realize the only person you can control is yourself, the happier you'll, you will be. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, have that open and hard communication in areas when, you know, you are feeling um, like you need to get something off your chest. Be, be kind, find a way to speak kindly to your partner in a way that says, Hey, I, I need your support here. And I, I, I need to get this off my chest. Pick a time, spend some time separately where, you know, you can have that conversation one-on-one, -on -one, maybe write things down as, as the other person speaks in order to hear them and, um, don't allow that, that reactivity to, uh, be what really turns the open and hard communication into a fight. I find that whenever I have had those open and honest conversations with Brad, we have really come away feeling so much better than say that fight that uh, we had where we, we were just both so angry and um, that bitterness really came through as venom. And those things are hard to come back from, but having a conversation where you let each other speak openly can be a really, really powerful tool because truly one thing that we are, and I know I certainly have been really not crazy skilled in is that relationships in cancer are two people. And again, I, I mentioned that I, I really felt like, well, this happened to my body. Why aren't you trying harder? And I failed to realize that going through cancer in a marriage from the other person's perspective has its own set of pains and fears and ones that you could never understand because you haven't been there. And so it's about giving your partner grace and saying to yourself, yes, you had the physical manifestation of the cancer, but they had the helplessness, the fear, 
the what's my life going to be like when my partner passes, the I will go on, the I, I would do anything to solve this, but I can't. All of these emotions that your partner went through that you have haven't the foggiest idea of what that feels like, that needs to be considered. And the sooner that you can see your partner as a victim of cancer too, the sooner that the bitterness, the resentment, and the anger can begin to heal. Um, another one is remember this too shall pass. It, it will get better. In the beginning, you are so full of inflammation and fear and side effects from all the new medications and all these things, but it gets better. Every day that goes by, it gets better. You get healthier, your partner begins to heal mentally. All of these different things, they begin to heal. And it does take time, but I do truly believe that time heals all wounds and that the sooner that we can remember this too shall pass, the quicker that we can begin to lower our shoulders, which are is really feeding uh, fire to the flame. It's making it worse. And that's not helping anybody either that fear and stress. Um, creating an intimacy tactics. I mentioned this already a little bit about um, this, the sexual health and sexual support, but to further that, it's having, having an open conversation with your partner to say things like, you know what, maybe I no longer have spontaneous uh, intimacy where I just am in the mood all of a sudden, but instead I may have reactive reactive intimacy um, and arousal. So meaning that your partner does have to take the time to create, set the set and setting, uh, light the candles, start with the romantic massage in order to coax you. And that's something that is important for to not put that responsibility entirely on your partner. Like certainly they should um, uh, put in effort too, but it might be something that you, that you light the first candle or, you know, you mentioned, Hey, tonight, let's, let's make an effort to connect. And, you know, you, like I said, you may not be interested in because of all the medications and that may really hurt your partner and make, make them feel like, like they, like, you know, are they no longer attractive to you? Um, are they not good enough for you anymore? Um, it's about reassure, reassuring your partner that no, that that has nothing to do with it. Um, in in fact, it's just this absolute ground zero level of estrogen um, that that uh, you have as a result of all these medications. Um, moving moving forward, um, reassuring one another that that you love one another is really important. Um, that you have been through a lot together and that you are continuing to persevere and really just having that conversation to say like, you know, we've been through hell and back and yet we're still here. And that reassurance of saying that, that, that this was not easy, but we're still moving forward can really help to reshape for yourself and your partner that, Hey, like, not every, no couples go through this, but we did. And we're still here and can really bring hope to both of you that, that, uh, and strength and, and really a sense of pride that, that you have persevered and that you can get through it. 
Um, next is encourage, but not demand, um, like I did. Encourage them to connect with other um, cancer surviving males or, or, or females, whatever your partner is. Connect with other people who have gone through that are the caregivers. Um, to uh, read, you know, find some books that um, might be helpful that they can, they can read to, to understand that they're not alone in this. Anything that, any, any way that they can get help that suits them and fits for them. Um, one thing that I have learned is that um, I have a way of healing and my husband has a way of healing and I don't understand his way of healing. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's doing anything from my perspective, but that doesn't mean that he isn't doing something. I just don't understand. My context of reality says when you need help that you should read a book and you should um, connect with other people and you should get help in, in any way that you need to. Um, but that's my context of reality. And one thing that I've really done that has been unfair is um, push him, as I've, as I've said once already. Uh, and finally, just give your marriage grace. That's, uh, I'll end here. Give your marriage so much grace because you have been through the ringer. And I believe that time heals, that using some of these tools can heal, and that having that open communication that says, hey, I'm feeling bitterness, I'm feeling resentment, I'm feeling anger, can help your significant other to begin to be able to be the caregiver that they want to be, the provider that they want to be. I know in the dynamic of females and males anyway, a man wants to feel needed and a woman needs to allow him to be needed and to be taken care of. And when you are in that masculine and feminine, feminine energy, I believe that the dynamics can begin to heal. So allow your, allow your, allow your husband to take care of you. Allow yourself to Give yourself grace and be in that wave when you need to and take the time that you need to and heal the way that you need to. The more grace you can give yourself, the more powerful the healing can begin and the quicker that the healing can begin. And again, finally, time will heal. I really believe it. And so I hope that this has been illuminating and helpful. And as I say, you know, we're not always perfect. I, I wish I could say that I'm coming to this podcast from a place of things are perfect now. We are, we are doing great. Everything is wonderful, but we, we have waves. We still do. And I, do, and I think that this may last a while. Um, but I truly believe that if we can get through this, we can get through anything. And I believe that for you too. Okay. So reach out to me if there's anything you want to chat with about relationships. I know that I, I rarely talk about this topic, but it is such an important topic in terms of healing and happiness. And so, yeah, if you have any questions, reach out to me. I'd love to continue to do podcasts on this subject if there are questions that you have. And until next time, we'll chat soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you found expansion with this last episode, then that means that others will too. And the best way to get the word out about the podcast is by leaving a review. 
I would be so grateful if you could leave me a review and let me know how you felt about the podcast. Included in the show notes will be everything that we talked about today, including all of my transformative programs. Change is just on the horizon, my friend.